going on, Suns fans? Wow. Just in here. And with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Hey, guys. And welcome to Fanning the Flames, your one and only longest running, most celebrated Phoenix Suns podcast. <laughs> wow. That is made for the fans. That's you guys. By the fans. That is us. Next thing you know, you're going to start saying Emmy nominated. Hmm. That's next week, maybe. <laughs> As always, intro and outro music is provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at oceansoverairplanes.com. Give us a follow or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at, so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the, the Flames, Flames NBA. NBA. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Something else, I don't know. If you use something else and we're not on there, let us know. We'll figure it out. Maybe. I'm over it. I'm not going to figure anything out anymore. We'll we'll let SB Nation figure it out. Yeah, they can do that. They can do that. (laughs) Speaking of SB Nation, I want to give you what our rundown is tonight because we have done very little prep. Well, it is the off season. So if you're interested in (laughs) turning this off now, please don't because it'll be fun. We're going to have fun. But I said speaking of SB Nation because in the brief rundown that I put together, there's a lot of profanity for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm going to edit it out as I do this. So you're going to like talk and then like... I'll probably fail. I'll probably <laughs> say it anyway. So we're going to talk about this evening, this morning, this afternoon, Jeff Bauer. Tomorrow. Also known as Jack Bauer because that's his middle name. Yeah. Did you know that? No. I don't know that that's the case, but I feel like I want to make it the he's case. Go- he's going to save the Suns in 24 hours. Over a period of years. 24 hours. Years. Not over years. the course of 24 individual hours over, over the course of weeks. Years. Weeks now. Okay, I'll take weeks. So and months. <laughs> Jeff Bauer hired. James Jones named the GM. Trevor Buckstein sticking around. I could never pick him out of a lineup. If you put a lineup of people in front of me and you're like, one of these guys is Trevor Buckstein, I'd be like, cool. Which guy has a calculator? Because he's the cap expert. You know, it'd be great if Trevor Buxton listens to it and he's like, yeah, I carry a calculator all the <laughs> I've time. I've got a calculator watch. I really do. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact that the Lakers and the Kings are, in fact, bigger dumpster fires than the Suns. Yeah. Woo! And we're going to talk about getting a freaking point guard. <laughs> right, Paul? Yeah. Yeah? All right. I think that, that that's a good start. Let's talk about You all- know, because, I mean, the, the regular season's over. means... This is prime Suns fan era. Hope springs eternal. Hopey changey. That's, I liked mine better. Like, <laughs> I did way too. better. Way better. Hopey changey. <laughs> that's, that's what the people who didn't like Obama said about his, like, is that campaign like, when he's running for president. Is he, oh, that hopey changey stuff. These, these, these politics peoples. Yeah, you know, because, like, hope and change are bad things. I'm hoping for change. Although, positive change. Look at this transition. I'm looking. The Suns went with not (laughs) changing and stuck with James Jones as the GM. They augmented. (laughs) Did they? Yeah, they brought in Uh, Jeff Bauer. Fair. Jack Bauer. Jack. I almost called him Jeff (laughs) Pusty. Jeff Jeff Jack Bauer. So Jeff, a.k.a. Jack Bauer, has been hired as the Senior VP of Basketball Operations James Jones, again, named as the official GM. We all knew it was going to happen. Yeah. If you didn't think it was going to happen, to you. Right. Granted, the whole process, I mean, it's like they, I think we talked about it before. It's like they went through the whole Earl Watson situation. Literally last week we talked about this. Go on. Yeah. Continue. We did. Went through the Earl Watson situation, made no effort to interview anybody else. This time they made it seem like they made an effort to interview other people. And still went with the guy they had in house, which we would, uh, which I think we both agreed we'd rather have than Kevin McHale or yes. not John Jim Paxton. Yes, I don't know why I would say Paxton, like Bill Paxton, but it's yeah. Jim Paxton. So now the interesting thing, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel about all of this is, according to reports, Jeff, aka Jack. Bauer is going to be reporting to James Jones. Now, 
I call BS on that. Paul, what do you think? I mean, from everything that I've seen, it seems like his role is to be more of an advisor. So I don't think he has yay or nay say on, like, trades or anything like that. But I don't know if he's, like, directly reporting to Jones, per se. I think he just may be assisting while doing other duties. Yeah, and I guess I should qualify my statement a little bit. I feel like when you say somebody is reporting to someone, they are specifically, expressly underneath them. And that person has the ability to fire them. Right. I don't know if Jones has the ability to fire Jeff. I feel like James Jones is a guy who recognizes where his shortcomings are and where his strengths are. I feel like he's a reasonable human being who understands the NBA and the inner workings of a front office. Also understands he's very green at the whole process. I do not think that if Bauer came to James Jones and said, this deal that we're working on, I don't think it's the right thing to do, that Jones is going to just be like, nope, you're underneath me. I don't care what you say. I really look at it almost like the whole co-GM thing. You can't really call Bauer the co-GM because that would be ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, co-interim GMs, that's fine. Totally acceptable. Totally fine. Because that interim is important. Right. Exactly. It's like, look, we're going to do something else. We're just doing this for now. But And they can throw each other under the bus if it goes to crap. Right. <laughs> but I feel like Bauer is going to have a lot of input. And he should. Yeah. And this is something that... We've been talking about for months. I know that Dave King talked about this for months, that what was ultimately going to happen was James Jones was going to be named the GM, and they were going to bring in somebody with more experience that was in a different, quote-unquote, different role, but still was going to have a fair amount of input in what's happening. And that's exactly what Bauer is going to be doing. And it's funny because... I love the Suns. Did you know that? Love the Suns. It would be interesting if you did a Suns pod. And, and just did not. Didn't love yeah. the Suns. Especially since we're not really getting paid. You know, quote unquote paid. <laughs> We've yet to see a pay a check. You, you know, <laughs> but one thing that I don't like, and I've said this before. I probably shouldn't say it ever. I'm sorry. I don't like Suns fans. Suns fans are just they're they're so insufferable you sit there and go we we want some change we want them to bring in an an experienced executive and then all of a sudden they bring in Bauer an experienced executive and they're like oh but they kept James Jones as the GM this isn't real same old same old just everybody accept the situation for what it is accept the fact that they brought in a guy who has a track record as a GM who has a track record in the NBA, who has a track record of success in drafting and developing and turning teams around, and embrace that. Embrace it. Right, and it's not like James Jones did a bad job. Thank you! That's the first time I feel like you've admitted that on this podcast, by the way. I have. No, you have not. Every time you're like, oh, with James Jones, he's a little green, blah, blah, blah. And I say, name a bad... I've said this to you multiple times. Name a bad move he's made. You're like, well, he really hasn't, but oh, Kelly Oubre, he just happened to trip into that one and blah, blah, blah. No. Well, the end results haven't been bad. The what? The, the end results haven't been bad. The process may have had stumbles. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? You know what? I'm a golfer. People that mm-hmm. listen to this podcast know that. You know what they say? What we say in golf? No video on the scorecard. The end result is what matters. And that's the same thing in the NBA. Same thing, really, in all walks of life. Hey, we could ask Stan Van Gundy about uh, Jeff Bauer, since he is his former boss. Maybe he's going to talk about it. We'll catch a clip. All right. Well, you read the... <laughs> Who puts <laughs> subtitles on our TV all the time? I'm sorry. That's, that's a question. That's, that's, I feel like it's a, that's a, like a personality flaw of yours. I don't know why we started doing it. I think, I, I think we started having him on there because when... Uh, I didn't, I, this wasn't yeah. offering an explanation. I didn't want to hear an explanation. No. 
Because you have none. <laughs> I'd have to ask my wife. <laughs> She's not even here, and you still have them on. <laughs> they just start automatically on, and I'm okay, used to them there. Can't turn them off. It's impossible. So anyway, alpha subtitles. So, I mean, Paul, just give me, what, do you, what are your overall thoughts about what's happened in the past week with the Suns' front office? Do you say, do you say this is a positive move? Do you say it's a negative move? Or do you say it's a lateral move, meaning nothing really happened? It's, it's probably slightly... How about you just give me one of those three instead of hemming and hawing like always? I'm not hemming and hawing. I'm, I'm fired up tonight. Can you tell? You are fired up tonight. I'm not hemming and hawing. It's, I would say it's slightly more positive than a lateral move. So and it's positive. It's positive. Look at that. You it committed to something. Last time he committed something on this podcast, it was Kevin Durant coming to the Suns. <laughs> yeah, and we'll see how well that goes. But uh, It will happen. I'm saying it's positive for a couple reasons. One, <laughs> yes, it would be nice to have the end decision maker be somebody who's experienced. Like it would have been, It would have been nice to have David Griffin come in. For a number of reasons, but that's probably not going to happen as long as Sarver is in the position. And by that point, we don't even Griffin may be like either fully entrenched in New Orleans or have proven he's actually not good. When you say come in, you mean as the GM? As the GM, I, I was saying he's not that, even the GM of New Orleans, is he? I thought he he's was higher than that. Isn't he also the like basketball operations guy there? I thought that was the case. I think he's I'll like, look it up. Yeah, whatever he is, he's he's got a lot of power in New Orleans. But um, would it have been nice to bring in somebody who has that level of experience, who like knows how to, like, truly has experience knowing how to deal with the inner workings, both for, from a agent standpoint, from a player personnel standpoint, from dealing with other teams standpoint, drafting, etc. All those pieces, like, actually knows how those work and like kind of grew up in the front office. Yeah, it would be great. And it seems like we've brought in a guy like that in uh, Jeff Bauer. But at the same time, we um, he does not have final decision-making authority. And, I mean, arguably James Jones doesn't either because Robert Sarver has final, final decision-making to authority. To be fair, every owner technically has final, has final, final. Right, to be fair. But um, so there is a level of, you know, we could have upgraded, but at the same time, with all the upheaval that's been going on with the Suns the last couple of years, consistency is a nice thing. You know, you know, Jones had his start this year. He had a better than average season as his, as a GM, particularly in an interim role with limited activity that he probably was allowed to do due to the interim status of his job. Because the other thing about bringing in, potentially bringing in a new GM is they may want a new coach. And I think it's a little unfair to dismiss Igor after this season when he was basically hamstrung with essentially three-fifths of a roster and then expected to win with, with that. And, you know, things went wrong. Things went sideways. Some were his fault. Some were, lear- were learning experiences for him. But the end of the season showed a lot of promise prior to the 8 billion injuries. So having Jones stay on leads to a higher likelihood that they're not going to dismiss Igor. Now watch in the next 36 hours before this gets posted, Igor's going to be dismissed and I'll have to eat my words. First of all, but I feel I'm like you, you don't give me enough credit for how quickly I post these. 36 hours? <laughs> I was giving you a cushion. <laughs> so, but really quickly, Griffin is the executive vice president of basketball operations, but it seems like all intents and purposes that also consumes the GM role. So. Right. Whereas the Suns essentially split those into two roles. Right. I, back to what I was saying, I'm just happy to have consistency. And from that standpoint, I think that's the positive right now is there's been so much upheaval. If... Igor's dismissed. I'll put Devin Booker on his fifth coach in five seasons. Josh Jackson on his fourth coach in three seasons. And that's just, that's not a way to run an organization. So let's talk about that. Do you think Igor is going to be back? Karkoshkov? Which I think he still, will be back. Paul, does not sound like a sneeze. I think he will be back. 
I think he deserves to be back. I think he deserves to be given a full opportunity when they basically boxed him into a corner from like day one, you know, not giving him a true point card, not giving him a true uh, power forward, having his GM dismissed eight days before the season, you know, kind of sending a lot of stuff into chaos. And then with all the injuries, particularly at the end of the season where like literally his entire starting lineup was hurt. You know, I think he deserves at least one more season to kind of show that those signs of development that we were starting to see after the All-Star break can be turned into more. Can, can, can continue. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I think anybody out there who's like, oh, get rid of Igor, go hire Luke Walton, which we'll get into. <laughs> I love Luke Walton, but I think that's insane. And anybody who also is wondering whether Igor is going to stay around now that James Jones is the GM, I think they're also off base because at the end of the day, James Jones was brought in to eventually be the GM of the Suns. He is now the GM of the Suns. When they were going through the hiring process last offseason, I feel like if James Jones was like, no, I don't think Igor is the right guy, then they would not have hired him. I think James Jones was on board with that hire. And I think he's going to remain on board with that hire. And going back to how he has the perspective of being a former NBA player, he's going to recognize that they need that consistency. Right. So there's as much belief in my mind that Igor is going to be the head coach this next year as there was that James Jones was going to eventually be the GM after McDonough was fired. Granted... James Jones did play a lot of seasons with LeBron, and LeBron did like to turn over coaches. I feel like if James Jones wasn't around LeBron during those seasons, it would have been even worse. James Jones was the voice of reason. Okay. That just shows how unreasonable LeBron James is. (laughs) Segway? (laughs) Yeah. So, actually, let's take a break first. So before we go into the Lakers and Kings and the dumpster fires that they have become, really quickly, yep. do you know or what would you guess the Suns' record was over their last 21 games of the season? Last 21 games of the season? So approximately the last quarter of the season. A little quicker than this. I'm sorry, 7 and... Whatever the other half of that is, 13, 14, 14. Good job, Paul. Close, 8 and 13. Mm-hmm. So that just, and I bring that up just to build on the point of Igor and the team improving under his watch. That also and helps keep when in you mind get... all those injuries yeah. during that time frame. So that could have very easily been a 500, if not better, team if Ubre didn't go down. Johnson didn't go down. Jackson didn't miss time. Ayton didn't miss time. Booker didn't miss time. Somebody Holmes else didn't miss time. Did, oh, what's the, what's the guy, TJ Warren? Oh, yeah. That guy. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll talk about him later. It's fine. <laughs> well, do we still need to do TJ Warren updates? Well, we got one more break to take, Paul. So, yeah, that's fine. So, again, point being, the continuity is important, but also, as you said, Igor deserves more time on this team yep so do you want to start with the lakers or the kings let's do it chronologically so let's do lakers all right (laughs) you go you go i want to hear you just sound (laughs) off on this um the uh the lakers are a dumpster fire yeah they're a dumpster fire now now i mean that whole interview I guess you call a uh, press conference, impromptu, whatever Im- it was. Impromptu press conference. Uh, two, <laughs> a, two hour impromptu press conference that uh, Magic Johnson rambled um, that uh, second to last night of the NBA was, to say the least, interesting, but it really showed the dysfunction that is that franchise right now and has been 
since Dr. Buss passed. I mean, really, they, those guys have been going downhill ever since. And it's it's very indicative of kind of how the uh, Knicks are dysfunctional, having a legacy group own and operate the franchise. They're not – those in charge are people who are not – people who earned the money that were able to buy the team. They don't know how to make those harsh decisions the way that like somebody who grew and built their fortune did. Speaking of that legacy, have you seen Jeannie Buss's Twitter profile picture? Yes, I have. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Hey, Phil. Way to go, dude. <laughs> way to go, bro. <laughs> If you if you haven't seen it, look at it. Look right, it up. Pause. Go look it up, and then come back to us. Giggling. Or just let it keep playing. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I feel like if you're an owner of a basketball team, maybe you don't make that your profile picture. It's just Los saying. Angeles. It is Los Angeles, and it's from a while ago. But okay. Anyway. Anyway, the. To have the president of basketball operations quit on mic without having told the organization is mind-boggling. It's wild. It's wild. craziness. And particularly somebody as high-profile as Magic Johnson. Right. I mean, I get it. I mean, I really do. I would have quit, too, if I had a... Be around LeBron all the time. I would have quit too if I had a billion dollar company that I already ran that is much more successful and less drama filled. And I can go back to just being a super fan of the team and just being loved instead of being derided by the people who love me for my entire life. Good word, by the way. Derided? Yep. I'm, I'm working on it, trying to get more of those SAT words in there, trying to help build our audience's vocabulary. How about this question? Yeah. If the Lakers don't do something this offseason to turn it around and they continue to be a dumpster fire like this, yeah. is LeBron's legacy going to be what he was before this or is LeBron's legacy going to be he destroyed the Lakers? I don't think he destroyed the Lakers. The Lakers were... I think he miscalculated what the Lakers were and his ability to elevate them. They were already going downhill. I mean, I was um, – somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, was actually making an argument of if you took all the guys that the Lakers have cast off since Magic Johnson took over, essentially, could they beat the current roster? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They could. But we can move into the next part of the Lakers debacle, and that is Luke Walton. Yeah. Luke Walton's a good coach. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to doubt that, at least as we sit here right now. Maybe. He's definitely getting a shot. Oh, absolutely. It's he. The NBA community understands that his failures were not his failures. They were the situation he was put in. But, you know, when he, if, if I recall correctly, his first year, they were unsurprisingly, or excuse me, surprisingly successful, unexpectedly successful. Right. And he was very good at getting a them to play um, cohesively, particularly on the defensive end for such a young team. Right. Which brings me then back full circle. And... You bring in a superstar like LeBron. Yeah, he doesn't really like coaches. Even though they cast off some of those solid guys, it's not like he walked into a a, uh, a roster that didn't have talent. Kyle Kuzma, good player. Um, Lonzo Ball, he can... If, if if he's in the right situation around the right guys, I think he can be a good player. Yeah, he's 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 a good player now. Brandon he could Ingram. be better. Brandon Ingram, good player. Yeah, 
there's no reason Josh that, Hart that team underrated Josh play. There's no reason that team couldn't succeed. Which right. brings me back to the factor that I'm looking at, and that's LeBron. And now it was Luke Walton's gone, <laughs> and they say that Luke Walton's gone because they mutually agreed to part ways. I kind of wonder how much Luke Walton get wanted to get the hell out of that situation. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and the Luke Walton thing, I mean, there was talk last year that Luke Walton was going to be let go at some point. So it's not just LeBron. Because, I mean, you know, he was hired by Kupchak and um, the other, the bus brother, I can't remember which one, um, who was running the team. Jack. Jack, yeah, Jack. Everyone's Jack. Everyone's Jack today. Um, So... There was talk when Magic and Rob Palenka came on that Luke Walton may not be long for the world. And then when LeBron comes, and LeBron always likes to push out the coach that's there when he shows up. You know, it's just kind of his thing. Except for Eric Spolstra. Well, no, he wanted to push him out. Pat Riley just had bigger had a bigger dick and <laughs> <laughs> threw it on the table and said, no. Pow! <laughs> and it had all like all of his rings on it. <laughs> All right, that, that was a little overly descriptive, but thank you. For but that. Um, I'm have fucking weird dreams tonight. <laughs> You're welcome. So what were you we talking about? <laughs> Lakers dysfunction and Luke Wallen getting fired. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he, I agree. I think he's a good coach. I think you know when he was coming up for that job and the Suns were looking, I definitely wanted him. Yeah. I think he was probably one of my top choices. So, I mean, he'll definitely land on his feet. I'm not too worried about that. You know where he might end up, Paul? Where? Sacramento. Yeah, because... Let's talk about that dumpster fire. Yeah, because they're dumb. Vladi Divac. You, you, you have a head coach who just flipped the switch on your team. You're like, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Here's my Vladi Divac impression. Wait, you, you got to take you, a big drag off your you, cigarette you, first. You're gone. That's it. I feel like that's how the conversation <laughs> went. Pretty much. He walked out. He might have been on FaceTime even. I don't know. Vladi Divac seems like the kind of guy that would break up with a girl over text message. Vladi Divac seems like the kind of coach. guy who might just ghost a girl. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what ghosting is, Justin? You stop talking to them? I feel yeah. Like, I feel like the, the, just the word itself is kind of self-explanatory. I mean, you, you've been out of the... You always say that because I'm such a I'm such a gentleman and yes. I treat women so well. That's why. Yes. Yes. You've been married longer than me. What are you talking about? <laughs> like you're asking me if I know what that shit is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I knew there was some disagreement in that. Yeah, sure. No, that they, was they, that was well publicized. That was well publicized. That was. But it was always that it was with uh, whatever whoever it was the the, the assistant GM. That was that. Hey, that was. Stoyakovic? Is that the? Res- I think it is. Oh. <laughs> then somebody else. Go on. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that there was talk. I think there might have been talk. How long has Jurger been there? How many seasons is this? Was this only his second season? It was his third. It was his third. Yeah. So I think last season there was some potential talk that he might be let go because I think he was. Hired before Vlade Divac came on. I can't remember the details there. But, um, yeah, he turned that team around. I mean, nobody expected them to do what they did this year. Right. At all. And then to just be like, yeah, no, I don't like you as a person, apparently. Because there's no business reason to fire him. I mean, unless... Behind the scenes, he was undermining Divac, but I mean, really, who's done a better job at their job in that organization? I don't know what Vladi has done to uh, ingratiate himself enough with Ryan Divac. I think I got that name right. I hope so. Let's go with Um, that. The owner, that he's the one who got the extension over the coach who... Brought them to. Do they have a winning season this year, or at the very least they were? It was, they were but close. it was close. Yeah, it was close, and that was, I can't even remember the last time that happened for the Kings. So I mean, 
as you said, Luke Walton could be an option there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes down and see how see how the team handles that, the players, because I mean they clearly were responding to something that Jurger was doing, and to have that gone, see how much they regress next season. So hopefully that's an opportunity for the Suns to capitalize on. You know, having two two fifths of the uh, of the com- of our division be dumpster fires th- worse than us. The so the assistant GM was Brandon Williams, and the reports, if if I recall correctly, from last season and this season, were that Ye- Jaeger and he were butting heads. Yeah. But Divock fired that guy too, which either means he just wanted to get rid of them for being two catty little girls, or Divock was really the one that was having the issues, and this Williams guy was the one that was kind of the fall dude. Put, right. put him out in the public eye as the one having the issues with, with Jaeger. Apparently, Peja is the director of uh, player personnel and development for the Sacramento Kings. There you go. See? Former son. Former son. For like seven minutes. So yeah. not for a little longer than that, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> so yeah, so I mean, ultimately the good news is the Suns aren't the biggest dumpster fire in the league. Heck, Let they're not the even division. the biggest dumpster <laughs> fire in their division. They're not even the second biggest. Right. And it'll, so everybody stop complaining about Robert Sarver. To go back to the <laughs> Lakers real quick. Oh, sure. This offseason is going to be so interesting for them. Just because, I mean, there's some rumblings that... The David Griffin move could help perpetuate a trade. Which could also... Maybe not to the Lakers. Because, okay, first point. um, Brandon Ingram's injury, what he's out with, Mm -hmm. is essentially what ended Chris Bosh's career. It's the same diagnosis. Ah. Different part of the body, I think, but same diagnosis. So technically, it's a different <laughs> diagnosis. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. I th- yeah, I think it's in his arm versus where I think Bosch had it in his leg or something. But um, either way, that's a very concerning injury, which though from a on-the-court perspective, Ingram was really starting to come on. <coughs> And um, was really starting to like improve that trade value. That injury, where you could be trading for the guy and <clears throat> literally he may never play for you, right, is not a good move. And did you um, did you see the story that came out today about um, Lonzo and how oh, the ankle thing? Yeah, the ankle thing, and that he was going to have an unauthorized surgery. I mean, that doesn't help. Lonzo's trade stock either so I mean you're looking at when there is when they were literally gonna clear the decks to trade for Anthony Davis I mean that's that is a bad hand they're 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 holding right now to try to trade for him so I can't see him being traded to the Lakers right now that there's no reason that the Pelicans should accept any offer they can put on the table right outside of Trading them LeBron, which is I wouldn't the point. do either. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the only guy worth any value on that team. So um, that'll well, be interesting from this summer. And then you have you have a situation where I think there's there's a lot of rumblings in the league that the generation of players like right below LeBron's don't really have a lot of interest in playing with him. They did, they've seen what he's done in multiple stops and how you have to. You know, so they're smart. They're not. Yes, but at the same time, they're also they're being a little selfish, and they're seeing how he, in the sense that they, to play with LeBron means you have to step aside and be a sidekick. LeBron. So if you're on the rise, you're gonna want to go where you can be a one A or a one B, where you're kind of co-equal headliners. Whereas going to play with LeBron is your is LeBron and the Pips, no matter if that those Pips are all stars or not, Hall of Famers or not. 
So even with him aging, it's just like that's the his mentality. And particularly with him aging, that you're looking at a situation where his body may start breaking down, but his mentality is not going to shift into, oh, I'm second fiddle now. Still a sociopath. Yeah. I don't like LeBron. I know you don't. <laughs> I know you don't. All right. Well, then, let's jump into the longest-running segment on Fanning the Flames. Paul? Yeah? What's up with T.J. Warren? Uh, I don't know. The season's over. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that. It doesn't, doesn't make really sense matter. anymore. <laughs> but I bet he's still hurt. Actually, let's talk about him for a second. How about this whole thing where it came out and he was like, I wasn't mentally prepared to play. I That's can... weird. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Wait. God damn it. Let me speak. Okay, fine. Fine. It, think, think of, I mean, a sprained ankle is nowhere near the level of this, but if you think about like Paul George or even like Gordon Hayward is a good example this year. They had se- serious leg injuries. And that first, when they came back, there's a, there's a mental aspect to the trust you have in that body part Fair. that is so crucial to you doing but you your can't job. Com- that's comparing apples and oranges. If he doesn't have the trust that, like, whether it's physically healed versus he has the trust that it's going to operate how it's supposed to. But the fact that an injury that was supposed to come out for one to two weeks. A month at most. Kept him out the rest of the season, and apparently it was in part because of this mental hurdle. Does that not concern you in terms of his mental stability? I'm not his, saying, his, his, I'm not his saying confidence? it's not weird. I'm not saying it doesn't, it doesn't concern me. Well, yeah, I'm saying you can't compare it to a guy having a freaking compound fracture on the court. I mean, you can. It's that's like that's like saying I was walking to my car today and I tripped and fell. Now I'm concerned. Like I, I'm, I'm too scared to go to my car. That's a little extreme. No, you just compared it to like severe leg injuries. How is that extreme? And yours isn't. If, if you don't think, if, if he doesn't <laughs> think his ankle is strong enough to withhold running up and down a basketball court, jumping. In a crowd, but if he's if, if but if walking if, to your car, if if it's if if it's an ankle sprain, yes, and it's back to where it should be physically, he should be able to get on the court. Right. Yes, that's not, my point. Like that that mental hurdle. I'm not is saying concerning. you shouldn't. Yes, the mental hurdle is weird. Is it weird or is it concerning? It can be both. Do you find it concerning? Yes. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Right. On that note, let's take a break. Okay. So now let's talk about the off-season a bit here. Season of hope. Season of hope. Hope springs eternal podcast it's of optimism. It's not the off-season. The season, the regular season is the sun's off-season. <laughs> the off-season is the sun's regular season. This season was <laughs> the last sun's off-season, okay? <clears throat> but <clears throat> for the sake of this conversation, let's assume. Okay. That the Suns do not get the number one pick, they do not get the number two pick, and they do not get the number three pick. Because depending on how the chips fall, even at three, the Suns could land Ja Morant. Yeah, because, I mean, for the Suns, this is a two-player draft. Yes. So let's assume they get four. Yeah. How do we get a point guard? Trade. I mean, that's... Okay, the, okay, okay. Thank you, Paul. How do we get a point guard by trade? What do we trade to get a point guard? What do we trade to get a point guard? And what point guard do we get with said trade? What do we give up? How does this person come to the Suns All right. well, and step into that one spot? So, I guess... Question mark. I'm just going to keep interrupting question. you. Question. So, I think, I think the first thing you have to do is you kind of really have to look at the market and identify, okay, what level of point guard do we want? You know, do highest we... Highest level possible. Highest level possible. Because, I mean... You know, you could do like uh, like a Ricky Rubio could be an interesting, interesting option on the team, and that, I mean that's a free agency move, but he's he's a guy who's going to be available this summer, who I think would fit well next to Booker, would provide um, some of those qualities that the Suns need. But 
if we're looking to make a splash, let's you know, let's say it's. A, I'm okay, all about splashes, man. You know, we're we're going all in. Belly like, flop. This is our move. Wait, that sounds bad. This is our primary move for the off season. You know, besides resigning Ubre, possibly resigning uh, Holmes. I don't know, possibly taking a flyer on Bender or whoever. Um, our big move is we are going to shore up that point guard spot that was such a glaring hole for us this past year. I think, in my opinion, there's probably only three options. My Not only three, three primary options we need to consider. Go on. Um, I'm intrigued. My interest is peaked. And we've talked about all of these players on previous pods in various instances. So um, the first one would probably would be Drew Holiday. The second one would be Mike Conley. And the third one would be D'Angelo Russell. All three have, are in potential positions where they may be leaving their teams or their teams may be wanting to move on from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if... The Anthony Davis, if whatever happens with Anthony Davis, he's probably not playing in New Orleans next year. That's all, folks. It is all, folks. That's all, folks. What a bold move. Not but his, a bold move by his stylist. Because he just puts on what's put out for him. You know, I'm a very, I'm a very simple man. That's it could, all it could be a gimp suit. And that's what, he, what, what? I don't know what that a is. A gimp suit? Uh, no Did you ever see Pulp Fiction? Yes. The Gimp? The guy who... Oh, Gimp. Gimp. I thought you said Gip. No, Gimp. I didn't hear the M. It was silent. (laughs) Tricky English language. But anywho, um, so assuming Davis is Dunzo in New Orleans, their probably best course of action is to tear it down and get as many assets as possible. And David Griffin's the right guy there to make moves to get those assets. Right. So, I mean, Drew Holiday is really... Attainable. Attainable. And I think he's, like, on paper, he's, like, an excellent fit. He's a good defensive player. He's... What were his stats this season? Pretty solid. I think he's 20 and something. 20 and 8? Or at least high teens and, like, 8 assists. 21.2... 7.7 and 5 rebounds. What's his steals? 1.6 and 3 turnovers a game. But that's still a better better than a 2 eight, to 1. Eight, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's really he's ideal just from the standpoint of what the Suns have available to them from the um from an asset standpoint, you know, a trade is the most likely scenario just because of the cap space situation on the Suns. So in my opinion, a fair offer would be for, for Drew Holiday would be, obviously I'm going to start um, least consequential to most consequential Okay, would be Tyler Johnson just because you need him for the money. He's mm-hmm. $19 million, $20 million, $21 million, whatever it is. With a contract as large as Drew Holiday's, who's I think he's thirty-two million this this year, something like that. Um, I don't think it's that high. But well, he signed a hundred thirty million dollar deal. Whatever that breaks down to, he's going into his third year in that. Um, so you're looking at whatever that breaks down to, a little over twenty-five. Twenty-five million. Okay, shade so, over. Shade over twenty-five million. So you're gonna Tyler Johnson's. Excuse me. Shade over 26. Okay, either way. Tyler Johnson is the, um, you know, he's the filler in this cake, mm-hmm. if you will. The next move would probably be one of TJ Warren or Josh Jackson, whoever they want more. What, whichever one the, the Pelicans are willing to are, prefer, that's the guy I'm including. With Uber, with the assumption that Uber is going to be resigned, with Mikhail Bridges there, unfortunately, Josh Jackson and T.J. Warren are expendable. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, I think Josh Jackson still has potential. And if you look at his stats as they currently are, particularly the advanced ones, they don't show out great. But I think there's a lot that can be shown that he just 
really just needs to settle down. And, and, and he's been improving his shot. He has been improving his shot. And he's a second-year player. And TJ Warren, really the concern is the injury situation and whatever that is. He's a known quantity on the court. And, I mean, yes, there may be some more improvement, but not. I don't think anything... He's not going to make the leaps that Jackson could potentially make. Correct. And, obviously, the third piece is that pick. I'd be willing to trade that pick in this draft at four. In another draft, that would be probably an overpay. In this draft, I don't consider it an overpay. This draft, that's probably the equivalent of, in last year's draft... The 10th pick, the quality of player you're going to get out of it at best. Did you agree with that? What? <laughs> Sorry, I stopped paying attention to you. I was looking at something. Um, the fourth the, pick the in fourth this, pick draft, in the, in this draft is the quality of what your 10th pick would be in a regular draft. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. That's a kind of a big but, jump, but. Okay, maybe seven. Yeah, and, and, and also Dragon Bender got picked fourth. This <laughs> that, that that one would probably be like, 14. but but I see what you're saying. The value the value you would expect to get it for, on the day of the draft, is not the value you would expect to get the four, expect to get at four in a draft if it wasn't this draft. In an average, yeah, an average draft versus this draft. Right, that's so, fair. So with that, I, you know, that would be the package I would put in front of the Pelicans and be like, where where do we need to move from here? And, you know, depending on, how, depending on how it floats, I mean, I would consider doing Warren and Jackson and maybe taking back a, con, like, a contract they want to get off. Maybe. I feel like you're getting a little crazy here. I'm just, say, I'm just saying, if, they, if, they want, if they're like, we'll give you Drew, but you also got to take back X, Y, or Z guy who we're trying to get off. Solomon Hill, I think, is who they were trying to get off of with the Anthony Davis trade. So... You're digging this deep in Drew. Why did you start with Drew? Why did I start with Drew? Because of those three players. Well, I'm holding off on D'Angelo Russell specifically because he's he's a restricted free agent. We can't deal with him until July one in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Technically, we can, so if we're going to use that pick, that pick is already a player. At that point, we are trading a player. Right. So that makes it more complicated because you essentially have to tamper to do that trade because you have to basically have communicated with D'Angelo Russell that we want to sign you, communicated with the Nets that we want to sign him. They have to agree to that and be like, okay, but if you're going to, we're going to do this, you're drafting this guy for us. Right. So that there's a lot, there's, too much kind of going on there. Not that it can't be done. Not that it probably hasn't been done. But it just seems like there's too much going on there that could lead to potential charges of tampering and potential, you know, fines and punishments. And, and is is there a rule? I don't know the answer to this, so I'm asking you. About when you can actually trade a draft, like a newly drafted player in the NBA? Like, can you, can he, can whoever the Suns pick at four in our hypothetical world, can they even be included in that type of trade for a D'Angelo? Well, yes, there's, there are, there is some type of rule, but remember Andrew Wiggins was drafted, was drafted by the Cavs Mm -hmm. and then traded that summer for Kevin Love. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So it can happen within the same summer. I think it has to do with if they've actually physically signed a contract or something like okay. that. I'm not entirely sure on those specifics, but I know it can be done. So it's not impossible. It's just that's the hardest of the situations. Drew is probably M- – Mike Conley, to me, is probably the most attainable. Drew is – the most the attainable most with the combination of being somebody who fits age-wise, mm. contract-wise, skill set-wise. Because Colony's going into his last year before his early termination ETO. He's, Drew he's has already two 31. years and then has a player option. Right. Colony's already 31. Drew is 
probably what, 27? Yeah, that sounds right. He is 28. 28. So I was close. So from that standpoint, be 29 he, by the start of the season. He fits the timeline a little bit better than Conley. My my thought process with Conley is it'd essentially be the same deal for Mike Conley. My thought process with him is he's got that, you know, vet mentality, that calming personality from a point guard that and I've I've mentioned this before, he's not Steve Nash, but he could bring something similar to the Suns in that that was a very young team that Nash came to. Nash was much older than any of those guys. Right. And, you know, and then he went on to literally the best part of his career. Right. So, like, I was kind of talking with a guy on Twitter about this a little bit earlier today, and when I had suggested Mike Conley, and he's like, he's too old. And I'm like, he's 31. Thank you for calling me agent, but I'm not a professional athlete. We know. We know. Although um, you've had shoulder injuries. I have had shoulder injuries. <laughs> and ankle injuries and knee injuries. You don't need to go through all of them. <laughs> and back injuries. Okay, you're still going. Uh, <laughs> so from that standpoint, I'm not as worried about his age. We He has three more years minimum probably before I think he'd really start to decline. Mm-hmm. You know, when we brought in Tyson Chandler, he was already at 34. Mm-hmm. He was already on that decline. I think Mike Conley, particularly with the game he, type of game he plays, it's actually it's also kind of a game that can age gracefully, similar to Nash's. So I think he would be a really good fit from that standpoint. Um, and then obviously D'Angelo Russell, there's he's really good friends with Booker, so that would you know definitely solidify that relationship and keeping Booker happy and keeping him around. He elevated his game so much this past season. But at the same time, the the Nets, you know, they did sign Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. He's going to be, I mean, I don't see any, I don't see a reason that they won't max him out, but they could not. Right. And, and if they want to move on from him, you know, I don't see this. Un- I don't see an issue with the Suns not offering to be that landing spot, and Russell wanting to come here for one gets to play with his buddy. Two, um, he gets to screw over the Lakers yeah. four times a year. So from that standpoint, I think he would he would be a good fit. My base concern is that he's not that great defensively either. So to have our backcourt be two subpar defenders who can shoot the lights out. All right, well, well, how about this question? D'Angelo Russell. So, Johnson. Yeah. Warren and or Jackson. And two future first-round draft picks for Russell. Would you do that? Yeah. I think it's worth it. I mean, he's definitely, he's a player on the rise. You know, he's an all-star. You know, even if it is in the East, he earned it. And... Even just from a standpoint, we we're kind of draft picked out, <laughs> yeah. really. So that's what they're there for, partially. So you know we've got enough young guys. We're in the position where we got and got to start filling out with the experienced guys. So yeah, if I got to give up, start giving up a couple assets. You know, we're kind of past the stage of oh, we got to tank because we got to get the best right. pick, and we can always put some you know protections on there. Right. So in case, God forbid, shit goes sideways, you know, we can still possibly get a player. But yeah, I, I can put a couple for a guy of Russell's caliber and his pedigree and his youth. That's yeah, a, I put him to that. That's the thing for me is the youth. Two he's court. he's a phenomenal player, but he's also young. And obviously, if you're trading for him, it's a sign and trade. So then you're taking him. On with control for a period of time. Right. Suddenly, your core is Russell, Book, and Aiton. Don't forget Bridges. I'm saying your like your core, core, core. core. Like you're, you're where you're, the vast majority of your points are coming. Right. From. Exactly. 
And this is an offseason where the Suns, it's time to make a splash. We've been talking about it, it feels like, We've for years. We've been begging for it. Right. And now is time. Because you have the young core there. Now you need that extra piece. And if it can be a young piece and not yeah. a Mike Conley, no offense, Mike Conley, but not a Mike Conley. Right. Even not a Drew Holiday for me. Yeah. Now if it's Drew Holiday, fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep over that. If it's Ja Morant, I'm not gonna lose sleep over that either. Now, then you've got a guy you still don't know what his quantity is, what his That's quality where is in the Rubio NBA. Comes in. That is mm, okay. You know, you can bring in Ja, let him either have to earn the starting spot, or if he even if he earns it in training camp, at least you've got if the game's getting a little out of control for him. You've got a guy who knows how to like bring it back down. A calming force. Yeah. I like that, Paul. So I think what we've concluded is that the Suns need to get a point guard this offseason. <laughs> yeah. I think we concluded that last offseason. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> the Suns, Suns need, a, need point a point guard, guard this offseason. I think it's going to happen this offseason. Maybe I it's because so. I'm just horribly optimistic. Maybe it's because this is a podcast of optimism. But I feel it in my bones. If the Suns somehow go into next season... I might quit that. Without a point guard. We may not have a podcast anymore. Some of you may like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? If the Suns do not go... Ready? The Suns do not go into next season with a point guard. Does Tyler Johnson count? with With a point guard other than Tyler Johnson. Okay. Who is a quality point guard? Now I I reserve discretion in what I constitute what constitutes a quality point guard to me. Okay. I will make sure that I am outside of Talking Stick Arena day in day out until I get Robert Sarver to come on our freaking podcast and explain <laughs> himself. I might get arrested. And if I get arrested, then, debarred, then, that, then that counts. That counts as me satisfying the bet, okay? Okay? But I will do that. Day in and day out. I'll hold signs. I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll chain myself to something. Okay. But that's where I am. And I'm the optimistic one. That's where I am with this. You're this the point. one who still has faith in Robert Sarver. I do. And I believe that if I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I confronted Robert Sarver about that, he would come on our podcast and speak to Just me. since we're on the Robert Sarver topic, just a quick question. Mm-hmm. Something we forgot about when we were talking about Jeff Bauer. What were your thoughts on the fact that Larry Fitzgerald sat in on the interview? I, 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 I was dumbfounded. Like, I, I get it from the perspective you of... get like, it? He's, well, he's, he's like a like a staple and like there's not a more Arizona sports figure out there now than him. I get or it ever or ever. I get it from that perspective. I'm not saying that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, I, he doesn't play basketball, but maybe it was like, I know he's friends with a Robert, re- a recruiting thing. I don't know. Like, don't Hey, know. look, here's Larry Fitzgerald. You get to meet him. You can hang well, out. With it's, this like, dude. it's like, well, maybe, Jeff, aka Jack Bauer, is a big golfer, and so is Larry. Maybe I've got. I, I have no explanation for that. Yeah, it was. He was also with them when they were watching John Morant player. This it also doesn't make sense. Maybe what we don't know about Larry Fitzgerald is he's a basketball genius. He's going to be our next GM. That well, would be so, an interesting so, hire. Well, so, so I start talking about our <laughs> next GM already, Paul. Like James Jones has had the job for literally one day. He's had it kind of for a year. I know, but like <laughs> officially for a day. Let's yes. not go down that path just yet. Give it at least two, three months. Two, three months. Thanks, yeah. Paul. Now I'm in a bad mood. You're welcome. Dick. All right. Anything else? <laughs> Let's wrap up. Yeah, I'm good. All right. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. As we always say here on Fanning the Flames, we appreciate you guys spending your time with us each and every ish week and depending on when you're listening have yourself a good morning good afternoon or good evening bye bye paul waved and then decided he should say something just for the record <laughs> just